Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Hey, 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 Aaron. Here we are. We got it going on. Another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Matter of fact, the March 1st edition. Absolutely. And it looks like our good friend Takahiro came to the front of the line, man. What's your thoughts on that, Kirk? Yeah, man. Takahiro put the beat down on him at Lake Martin. Had an unbelievable lead going into the last day. And uh, quite frankly, just catching those bigger largemouth. You know, Martin's a big spotted bass lake. And, you know, you got to give props to the way Takahiro laid it out, really managed this fish. Basically fished one cast, one spot to uh, land probably uh, 90% of his bass for that event so uh man it was unbelievable held up for four days but it's pretty awesome and conversely totally changed from what we just saw at the harris chain where we had uh i think our second canadian flw tour winner casey martin many years ago on the a rig chickamauga won an event but now we've got chris johnston uh unbelievable canadian anger that's been tearing it up on the flw tour and the coast series uh just won at harris chain so it's been pretty amazing but hey aaron you know real quickly we missed a lead in today it's sounded like Megaware Keelguard. You know, they've been a huge sponsor of ours for many, 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 many years, maybe forever here at Bass Edge, as long as we've been in existence. So uh, Megaware Keelguard, and you can find Megaware Keelguard, as, as many of our listeners know, all over the nation at Bass Pro Shops, you know, another great partner with us through Nitro Boats. So uh, great to have them on board. I've got to encourage our listeners. They need to ask for it by name, Megaware Keelguard, because as we say on here all the time, put on the protection, the pro pick and that is only MegaWare Keelguard so be sure to visit them at keelguard.com. That's great stuff Aaron you know the last thing you want to do is have any problems with your boat and your buddy's boat so if you see somebody else's boat out there that doesn't have a Keelguard on it let everybody know how awesome this product is and different ways that you can use it I mean I'll run my boat right up on the ramp so I can get out and let my partner out to get the truck and all that kind of stuff I mean you can put that thing right on concrete any bank and of course you know Aaron sometimes you got to run to the bank and you don't want to be messing around. So, <laughs> That's so right. anyway, without further ado, hey, look, we've got more stuff to talk about here on Bass Edge. Let's roll into a quick little tackle tip with Bass Edge Radio. Today's ProtectTheHarvest.com tackle tip with Matt Lee. At Bassmaster Elite Series Pro, Matt Lee, checking in with a little tip today. This time of year, or all year round, I throw a spinning rod a lot, and it catches a lot of fish. If you're looking to catch fish, I would recommend throwing a spinning rod more. And to take away a lot of the hassle that people have throwing spinning rods, I strongly recommend the Bray DeFloro leader. If you've never thrown it before, I promise it'll be a game changer. I use a modified Albright knot. You can look it up online. It's easy to find out with all the resources that we have. But modified Albright, go try it out. I use a 15-pound high-vis Seaguar braid. I can see it in the, in the water good. And I use about a 12-foot leader on my fluorocarbon as a safe all-around length. Fish can't see the line. You can see the line. And the knot is super strong. So try the modified Albright, gray to fluoro knot, and fish it on your spinning reels. It'll save you a lot of trouble on the water. 
Great tip. Thanks, Matt. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Clun, and Ott Defoe, Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. Well, Aaron, it's been, quite frankly, a wild week and very busy week in sunny Florida. It has been beautiful weather down there, although once I actually completed this last tournament I just fished uh, just a few days ago, I look up at the Weather Channel and everywhere in the world is flooding in the United States, in middle America. What, what the heck's going on out there? Are you floating down the river too or what? Just about, just about. You know, they keep talking about these 100-year floods. And of course, uh, as we know from past episodes, uh, we had two of those, I think, in a matter of three years. Yes. Um, you're exactly correct. In my area, specifically where I live, we had five inches of rain in about uh, 32 hours. So wow. as you can imagine, now we were in a drought, but that definitely put uh, rivers and streams and we had flash flooding and, and a lot of water back in the lakes. Uh, I was actually spent some time in Oklahoma City and just getting back to kind of the St. Louis area. It was pretty interesting to see stuff rolling. I mean, and it was going. But it's that time of year, right, Kurt? We know. Spring, you have rain, you have wind, you have temperatures that are bouncing all over. But one thing that was pretty constant was the temperature in Florida, which I've got to yeah. hear about this because you knocked it out of the park, my man. My Almost. daughter. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, eighth place finish. Uh, Maya, my daughter, even was following you. So I, I've got to know, how did you do it and what were you doing? Man, it was awesome. So we had uh, FLW Tour stop number two down here on Harris Chain, and it just set up right for me, honestly. Uh, the Harris Chain, I've probably fished here five or six times over the last 10 years, and uh, this is the first time that they have had a huge mats of hydrilla scattered throughout the lake. They've always had some grass, specifically in Lake Griffin used to have, you know, always some grass. And and I used to love fishing Lake Griffin and I actually practiced there for this tournament. But I spent a practice day in Lake Harris and there was hydrilla vats and, and hydrilla edges all over the lake, just different little spots that were growing very rapidly because it, it has been warm down here in Florida. I saw a stat on TV the other day. They had like 22 days in the month of February that were above 80 degrees. So really warm down here after obviously everyone's been through a pretty dang cold winter. I mean, it was uh, snowing here in Florida twice this past winter. So pretty unbelievable. But um, I fished hydrilla edges and uh, I did that in two ways, Aaron. I used an I'm a flit 120. Uh, I've talked about it here on Bass Edge before. It is my go-to jerkbait, my favorite jerkbait. Um, I paired it up with uh, TBL 930 NRB hooks from Hayabusa. Uh, what NRB is non-reflective 
black. It has a fluorine coating. Really helps pin the fish and keep the fish pinned. It's kind of a slick coating on those hooks and uh, really helps, you know, the piercing of the fish. So really love those hooks. And my one-two punch was was a Texas rig, you know. It's very top secret lure called a Senko. I'm not sure if people have heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I can't ever remember that being brought up in, yeah. the, in the media before. All right. So I'm trying to keep it on the DL, but only sharing it to Bass Edge listeners. So I was throwing a Senko on a Texas rig and really just working the edges of the hydrilla. And in the morning, well, what the size was, of Senko, Kurt? I was using a five and six inch. Once I started, you know, getting some fish moving and things were happening, you know, I'd, I'd upgrade to a little bit bigger bait just to try and get a bigger bite or, or have a bigger profile for a bigger bite but um I, I use the same size hook though the fish had active periods and then some inactive periods and i used a six aught hayabusa worm 959 hook it's also another hook that has the fluorine coating so it helps actually the hook come out of the plastic real easily so you know i don't have to like texpose you know you've heard of people texposing a hook which basically means texas rigging a hook and bringing the point all the way through the plastic and then kind of re-piercing it into the plastic so just a little bit of the hook is over the plastic and, and people do that because they're worried about the bite you know when they get the bite the hook not releasing from the plastic and being able to pierce the fish when you set the hook but in well, grass that's can be kind of aggravating. it's a hundred percent whether I, I for me it's any type of cover because you know it'll come off or as soon as you take a log or like you mentioned there you know drag it through some heavy vegetation it's going to come loose and and that's the great thing about the hayabusa hooks is that you can just embed it in the plastic and just leave it because you don't have to expose it because that that coating, the fluorine coating, is going to allow the plastic to slip down the hook when you get the bite very easily. So it's actually, I don't know if I can use the word revolutionary, but um, it's very effective for bass fishing application. And that's part of what, you know, high boost is all about. But that's really the two techniques that I leaned on to finish eighth place at the Harris Chain. And it seemed very prevalent. There's a few sight fish being caught throughout the top 10, but a very prevalent that offshore hydrilla was the key deal. Fish were in all phases, quite frankly. You could see fry up on the bank if you went shallow. So there was obviously a lot of post-spawn stuff going on. Some guys were catching a few fish on beds here and there. And then, you know, I caught some pretty fat fish, some females out off the edges of that hydrilla. So still some fish left to move up to the bank here in Florida. But uh, yeah, man, I was super stoked. Great tournament. I'm off to a good start for the year. So uh, we've got Lanier coming up. And and actually, that's why I was I saw the flooding everywhere because I'm checking weather like next Sunday you know we were ready to go to Lanier and start practice and everything we got a really quick turnaround right here and uh, that's when I saw the rain I'm like geez so uh, that's going to play a factor in the next tournament at Lake Lanier up there uh, near Atlanta Georgia I'm excited Ben it's been a great start to the season Florida was very good to me cash checks in both tournaments here in Florida the first two stops for the FLW tour so uh, I'm fired up that's exciting and interestingly when you bring up kind of that coating on on the Hayabusa hooks the little things that make a big difference you know it seems like Every episode, every year that passes, there's always those finite adjustments that we're talking about. And who knows if we're fortunate enough to still be doing this in several years, what we'll be talking about at that point in time. But yeah, enjoy that finish, uh, both of them actually, because like you said, anytime that you can get in the check line at that level, at the national tour levels, certainly both on the elites and also on the FLW tour, which certainly is what you were fishing. Uh, I mean, you're, you're against some really, really great anglers. And speaking of great anglers, we've got our Lucas Oil angler spotlight it's queued up ready to go let's get on the phone and uh i'm not gonna tell you i'm gonna keep it a secret stay tuned (laughs) we'll be right back 
This is 2017 Bassmaster Angler of the Year champion, Brandon Polony. I am Abu Garcia Pro Angler, Hunter Shryock. This is Bassmaster Elite Series Angler, Mark Daniels Jr. This is FLW Tour Pro, Todd Hollowell. This is Bassmaster Elite Series Pro, Matt Lee. Stay tuned right here for more Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. This episode's featured angler has been all the way around the block in a big way the last several years in tournament fishing industry, from FLW Co-Angler of the Year to Bass Elite Angler, and now on the FLW Tour, he had his best result as a pro at the Harris Chain just last week. Welcome to the show, John Hunter. John, thanks for being with us today, buddy. Thanks, guys, for having me. Well, John, you know, when I think of you, it's one of my favorite places to eat because you have Texas Roadhouse all up and down the side of your boat. Best rolls, by the way, so we'll throw them a quick plug but uh, that's no joke but moving on to what we're here to talk about is you had just capped off your best finish as a pro angler at the Harris chain what's kind of going through your mind at this point to keep things rolling as you're currently in the top 10 in the FLW angler of the year points yeah man I mean wow what what a week it was Uh, you know just any time that you're fishing that final day against this group of anglers you know it's just something to be proud of these are these are some of the best and I mean they're the best in the world that you're fishing against so uh, it's an honor to be there. Uh, it was super cool them, you know, within striking distance. I say that I was eight pounds back the final day, but uh, the man in Florida at a place like the Harris Chain that is just, it has them and it's super healthy. Anything's possible. And I knew that. And I was on some really big fish. So it was really fun going out that final day, just knowing in the back of my mind that I had a shot at it. John, it, it was awesome. You know, I was fortunate enough to be in the top 10 with you that day. And we were sitting side by side before launch. And, and we started talking about kind of some of your history, which obviously I'd followed you the last several years when you were on the Elite Series, saw your escalation up, you know, when you qualified through the Opens, you know, that, those kinds of things can get a lot of great media. And then obviously with FLW Tour, they do an outstanding job with the media and, and been following, you know, your early part of the season this year, just as a guy that's been out there and been kind of doing this uh, tournament road warrior life for the last many years. But I thought it was really interesting how you got your feet wet in the sport um coming through college and then through flw as a co-angler first can you just kind of explain that whole process of uh your evolution into the sport and where you are today for for the listeners yeah absolutely absolutely man so uh i guess i should start it with uh really uh my first tournament i always loved fishing i actually caught my first bass on lake lanier uh which is where we're going uh, yeah that's awesome next week so be pretty special to go back and i've only been back like once since so it'll be cool to go back and just uh be back on the body of water where it all got started for me um i was probably 10 years old i fell in love with the sport really like my parents didn't fish so i kind of just had to i was self-taught you know i would i would read the i had a subscription to bass uh, uh, and flw and i would i would wake up every morning watch tv shows and uh and I was just, a, from the time I fell in love with it, I was a student of the sport. I was always trying to learn. 
I was constantly at the pond growing up. And then uh, I had, a, when I was about 16 or 17, I had a dirt bike and uh, I got on Craigslist and found some guy that uh, traded me like a 1983 Phantom bass boat straight up for my dirt bike. And uh, that's awesome. So uh, that's where it all got started, dude. I remember taking it to the lake. Like I said, like I didn't have anybody to teach me. So I took it there and uh, I had a guy who's actually my baseball coach. He, he took me there and told me about the whole make sure the plug's in, make sure of this. And we, and dude, that thing would like barely run, but uh, it did run. It got me out there and I was able to save some money, work hard next summer and get a little bit better. I think I, my senior year of high school, I think I upgraded to like a 95 Dynatrack. But uh, it was enough to get me out on the water, man. And I, I fished my first tournament like junior senior year of uh of high school and it was at uh taylorsville lake which is an absolutely horrible lake it's uh but it's the only thing around me over where i live um that has local tournaments so i hopped in the the nightly jackpot tournaments and started doing those when i could because my main deal was baseball i was a baseball player in high school and uh and so I, I would tournament fish when I could, and man, I just loved it. it you know, I'm, I'm, I have an extremely competitive spirit, so uh, being able to go out there on the water and exercise that was, I think, the reason I fell in love with it. But anyway, so baseball kind of ruled my life, but I always I loved fishing, did it when I could. I ended up getting a scholarship to go to Georgetown College to play baseball, which is a small school right outside of Lexington. I went there, played baseball my first year, and uh, my coach who recruited me left this job, and uh, I didn't really see eye to eye with the new one. So um, I decided to give up baseball, which was really the biggest blessing ever because I met an awesome group of guys who had just started the Georgetown College fishing team. Nice. And uh, I met those guys, became really good buddies hopped on the fishing team and man to be honest with you i mean i was still extremely green and then i mean you know i just fished one one or two lakes tournament wise my whole life um i'd never been outside the state so i was really new to it so i hop on my first year and we go to a handful of tournaments and dude i just get my brains beat in um obviously just because i've never been i've never been anywhere other than that muddy lake by my house so uh it's a big learning experience but uh college fishing is what it is what evolved me as an angler you try you know you get this opportunity georgetown college it gave me an awesome they, they funded us so it gave me an awesome opportunity to not have to uh you know finance the whole travel myself uh they gave us a fund every year and uh, we were able to travel around and go to these different lakes and uh, we're able to pull the hotels that way and gas and whatnot. So uh, that is what evolved me, man. You meet so many guys around the country and you get to share the info, the techniques, the tips, everything. And you and you honestly make friends that, that last a lifetime, just like we do on tour right now. So college fishing is what did it. It's what allowed me to take that step and and go into the amateur ranks and eventually lead into the professional ranks. Quick question on that college fishing yeah. stuff. Is is there somewhere that you can go to know like which colleges actually help support those clubs or or help fund those anglers? Because there's a lot of kids going to college, obviously all over the country. And um, that was a big hint. You know, there's people that go to college. You guys don't forget that, okay? So <laughs> anyway, and they're wondering like, how do I get into college fishing? Because I, I don't have a boat, but um, I've got a couple bucks to pay for gas or, you know, I've got some awesome tackle because that's what I've collected through high school. But yet they end up looking at different schools because of different majors. And, and heck, man, if I'm going to college today, I want to look at different schools because they fund their clubs well. You know, whether it's I mean, I know there's a couple schools like Dallas Baptist. They 
actually help the students with boats and, and stuff like that. So anyway, John, is there anywhere do you know of that's out there that helps kids understand what colleges get behind this stuff? You know, I don't know if there's like, you know, a direct resource that tells you that, but my right. best suggestion would be to get on um, FLW fishing, get on, uh, you know, Bass or High School Fishing or collegiatefishing.com. Those are the three. They have three major tournament trails, and they're all great. They all have their advantages. And uh, get on there and look at some of the schools who, uh, who are performing and uh, maybe look and see if they have a website and then reach out to them, you know. Just uh, find who their school captain is. Be proactive. Reach out. Ask them. To be honest with you, a lot of these schools are starting to recruit, but I understand not everybody's going to have the opportunity to get recruited. So uh, just try and be proactive. Call FLW. Call back. Master, call these organizations even, and I'm sure they'd be more than happy to help. Good stuff. That's great information. I will tell my alma mater, Georgetown College in Kentucky, Bone. You Alyssa, I mean, they do a really good job of taking care of kids. And I'm from the state of Kentucky, so I know Campbellsville is starting to really up their program. Campbellsville University, I think they're offering scholarships. Eastern Kentucky has a great fishing program. University of Kentucky has one. Uh, I know Louisville has one. But, um, yeah, I know Bethel puts a lot of money behind theirs. So those are some off the top of my head. Okay, that's good stuff. I appreciate that because I'm a I'm an old fart, and they didn't have no college fishing when I was in college. Yeah, hence <laughs> the vocabulary. They didn't have no college fishing when I. So. <laughs> hey, All look, right. man, I'm just trying to keep it real this morning. Hey, you're, hey, you're doing a great job. So we got to keep. I love hearing these stories about how people, you know, enter the sport because to me, John, you've had this question, Aaron, you've had this question. Hey, how do I become a professional fisherman? Right. That's like, how do I get involved? What do I do? This is the stories of how people make the jump, make the push. So, John, keep preaching, brother. What happened after college? So, uh, college, I really evolved the three years of fishing. You know, I went for my first year, like, I don't even think I finished at that time for like 50 and then turned them out of fish. I mean, maybe once or something. But, and then the second, my junior year, like, I made, I think, both national championships. Like, it, it just things started to click. Gotcha. I'd gone back to some places, I just got familiar. Um, everything started to click. And in my senior year, like, I don't know if I had a finish outside the top 10. So then it was really clicking for me. Everything was rolling and I was, I was getting it. I was just becoming extremely fascinated with the sport of fishing. It was kind of becoming my life. So from that point, you know, I graduated and I was like, dude, I love this. I would love to give this a go. I can't afford it though. So I'm going to try and put together it and see what kind of value I can offer to, you know, local companies, what value I can bring to them in order for them to get behind me and, and see if I can get some money to give this thing a go. Sure, so, uh, sure, sure. man, I, I did my research. I put months into building this presentation. That's a big thing. People, when they're looking for sponsors, it's what value can you bring to the people that you're presenting to? That's the biggest thing. I mean, it's not telling them what you're going to fish. I mean, a lot of times it's what you can do off the water and how many impressions you can bring and eyeballs to their brand. So I spent the next few months uh, developing that, and then I, I went and started pitching it to companies, and, man, I was just super, super fortunate to come across Texas Roadhouse. Their headquarters is actually in my home team. And uh, super fortunate to uh, sit down with them, man. And they uh, went out on a limb and gave me a shot and uh, got behind me for a year and, you know, helped me some financially to do the amateur series, which is basically what I call, you know, opens, the co-angler, anything that's uh, below the tour or the elite series. So that year, I, I wanted to do all the opens that year. But by the time I got, that was 2015, I graduated college in 14, you know, I that whole like summer I worked and fall and worked on my presentation and worked every day. 
And so 2015 hit, I was too late, like getting all my funding and trying to figure out I'm going to pay for it all together. And uh, it all came together a little late. So the Central Opens and the Southern Opens were full, but I could get in the Northern Opens, Bassmaster Opens as a pro. So I did it. And I'm like, man, but I got to fish, you know, a lot more. So I was like, I suck in Florida. I don't know how to fish grass still. I'm going to get in the southern coastas and try and learn some. And then I want to do the co-angler, like the co-angler deal on the FLW tour. It, it would be an awesome opportunity to learn. And, uh, you know, that's what the sport's all about is learning. So I was like, man, I think it'd be a good mix. I fish a couple of these as a pro, and I'll go fish some in the back of the boat. We'll, we'll bounce around and do that for the year. So that's what I did. Uh, I was signed up for the FLW Tour as a co-angler and the Opens as a as a pro. And uh, I, one one big thing that really helped me uh, in the tour was I was able to connect with an extremely good angler. His name's Spencer Sheffield. He's I'm sure y'all know who he is. He's Ron Sheffield's son. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Spencer is a he's a stick man. And he we got connected. Uh, I forgot who connected us, but he was looking for someone to practice with. So uh, I got connected with Spencer and got to practice with Spencer all year, which is big. I had to learn a lot there and uh, obviously learn a lot from every pro I drew. That's one thing I tell to everybody. I'm like, look, even if you, like, draw somebody who you might not think is a good fisherman or, you know, who's not well known, you can always learn from them. They're, they're always going to do something you learn, even if it's learning something not to do. Just pick up on, on every little thing you can when you're in the in boat with someone. So 2015, just to sum it up, was fast forward to the end of the year. It's just one of those years that everything goes right. I finished first in the points in the co-angler standings. I won co-angler of the year. I think my worst finish was like a 30th. I had like four top tens and almost won a couple. So those were just a really good year, man. And when you win the co-angler of the year, you win a brand new Ranger, which helped me obviously a lot financially. That's a financial bonus, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, and then uh, also the Tosas, I made a top five at Seminole. I was in contention to win that one, but it didn't happen uh, as a pro. And then I also qualified the Fish Elite Series for the Northern Open of that year. I had, you know, three solid finishes and made the top five in the points. So uh, I was in faced with the what do you do now <laughs> yeah yeah, so, yeah. Uh, keep figuring it out and do you know, what you did in the first place yeah. you know you just keep opening different doors and seeing which one has the brightest light right right you're, you're 23 years old and i was like crap i just qualified for the elite series uh, i guess i go <laughs> so you know after doing hundreds of these episodes right kurt and i getting to talk to guys like yourself john we always look for common themes that, that kind of stand out and and through your description of this journey really from going from dirt bikes to trading in off craigslist on a dynatrack that's the best comment ever by the way you know it's it's education and it's learning and every single advancement that you bring about and when kind of when you stepped into it was always prefaced and bookended by i learned and and certainly i think that is in no doubt responsible for your ascent to the top so you know i'd like for you to kind of turn that into how did you break down the harris chain event and then most importantly what are some of those major lessons that you have learned that allow you to provide kind of our listeners that are fishing in that pre-spawn you know kind of that cycle where the weather is always in flux whether it's in florida but also in your home state of kentucky absolutely so uh, the biggest thing that i've learned 
learned uh, over the past few years, especially in the Elite Series and the FLW Tour, is um, people say this a lot, but it didn't really click with me until probably towards the end of last year, and that's where I really saw my fishing and finished to start to turn around. And it is uh, don't worry about what everybody else is doing and fish your strengths. I mean, it's so true. Like, in these tournaments, there is usually one better way to catch them, but there is always multiple ways to catch them and make a top 10. There really is. I don't care if there's an offshore bite going on, which I like to do, but if you like to fish shallow, you can make a top 10 shallow. So go do it. Like, don't try and force what you don't want to do, which is what I did this week on the Harris chain. You know, the Harris chain is such a diverse fishery, and it's super healthy right now, and there's so many options there. I mean, you can sight fish. You can go up and fish shallow. They got cypress trees. They got semi-grass. They got reeds. They got bank cane. They got docks. They got bridges, offshore, shell bars, hydrilla flats galore. I mean, it literally offers you everything. So, you know, I had a ton of options, and I know that I'm not a big sight fishing guy. Like, I'll do it if I absolutely have to. If it's like, you know, run up there, if you can find one or two and maybe catch one, I'll do it. But it's not my thing. So I just, this week, I just poked around for like an hour or two. I didn't see any. I said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not forcing it. I'm not spending any more time up on the bank. In pre-practice, I uh, rode around on Harris for like two hours with my rod locker locked. No rods out. And I saw the 10-foot hydrilla everywhere, and I immediately knew that I wasn't going to leave that place any day. You know, when there's that much grass on a lake, if you put your chill mutter down and practice, and you just cover water, and you stay focused that you're going to just find these key little spots, then you're going to find some. So that's what I did, man. I want to get off a bank. That's my strength, getting away from the bank, fishing out, winding around, moving. I'm not a big just slow-down kind of guy. Um, I like to kind of keep the chill motor going a little bit, so that's what I did. I put a jerk bait, a six cents provoked jerk bait in my hand, and a chatter bait, and man, I just covered water and tried to find every little sweet spot in that offshore grass. You can just see my practice. I would just stop at one end of the flat, and I would just like zigzag all the way through it. And that's what you got to do to find them. I mean, you can use your, I use my Lowrance units to try and mark the edges. You can zigzag around, mark the edges. But to find the sweet spots where they live, you just got to put in the time and fish. Yeah, that's great stuff. A great experience for anglers that are trying to figure out, you know, so many times, you know, guys will just launch the boat or, or ladies, you know, guys or girls just launch the boat and, and they'll be running around like a chicken with their head cut off, you know, just trying to wait for the fish to jump in the boat seemingly, right? And ultimately, yeah. you've got you've to gotta slow down, whether it's idling and looking, using your electronics or actually fishing through the different types of cover and things that are in front of you to dissect these patterns. And that's exactly what you did to ride to an, uh, an amazing finish. So great job there. I tell you what, John, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with more Bass Edge Radio chatting with FLW Tour Pro, John Hunter. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented by MegaWare Keelguard returns with FLW Tour Pro John Hunter in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, visit them 
at lucasoil.com. It works. John, we, we've been talking a lot about Florida. I'd love to kind of spin this conversation a little bit and talk about some fishing around Kentucky, your home state, kind of that mid-America. They are actually starting to get a little break from this brutal winter that we've had. I'm sure that, you know, while you were prepping for the tour season, you were wondering if you were going to drive out in snow or ice because there really wasn't a whole lot of other options this winter. It was so freaking cold out there. But what's the deal with uh, your part of the country? What I really want to dial into is how do you like to begin your search for bass this kind of early springtime of year? What's your kind of go-to techniques or or really not, not necessarily techniques right off the bat, but what are you looking for when you're sitting at the launch ramp and you're getting ready to launch your boat? Where does John Hunter's mind focus into to find the first fish? Yeah, you know, it will vary. If you're in the eastern part of the state, closer to Tennessee, East Tennessee, Eastern Kentucky, you got those clear mountain lakes. They, they tend to act a little different than uh, the lakes more in the western part of the state that are just a little bit more rivery and, uh, and a little dirtier. But they all do have their similarities. Your first thing is you're going to look at your water temperature, obviously. Uh, you're going to get in the boat. You know, I think I haven't been home in like a month. Um, I'm about to go fishing today on Chickamauga in Tennessee. But uh, right now I'm guessing the water's probably in the low 50s, which means fishing ought to really be starting to get really, really good. The fish, they've been wintering out, you know, on their main channel banks or, you know, a little bit deeper deals uh, all winter. So now they're going to start that push shallow. They're going to start coming in off off the main lake and the creek channels. They're going to start hitting these points and staging up. That's where the common term staging areas comes into play. You know, I'm probably going to start out just running points and uh, trying to see if they're on those. Maybe they're not on the main lake points. You work into the secondary points. A term that I like to use a lot this time of the year is uh, is lead-in banks. So, like, you know, I'll, I'll run, like, the 50 in, 50 out. I'll hit the outer 50 of a point on the main lake, and then I'll work that lead-in and kind of see where they are. If I'm getting more bites in the lead-in, then I'll go to that secondary point and work it and then work into the pocket. And you'll notice, you'll watch it progress as you start getting less bites you know, out on the points and the lead-in steeper banks. Uh, they'll start to gradually get to that transition. You'll look for those transitions in the banks into that, like, it'll change into the flatter stuff. And uh, as, it, as the water progresses into the higher 50s and gets into 60s, they're going to really get on that flatter spawning stuff and just look for those transitions. They'll sit on those and they'll kind of slide up onto those uh, flatter spawning deals into the backs of the pockets. And uh, when that water hit, starts to hit 60, that's where, they'll, that's where they'll be and they'll be trying to be up there doing their thing. So as you're fishing those areas, and a great description, by the way, as you're fishing those areas, what strengths are you kind of uh, relying on to target as far as baits and, and choices and, and how do you make that decision yeah. in the pre-spawn time of year? So, you know, if you're fishing uh, Cumberland or, you know, anything like, you know, the clear water is the water. It's hard to beat, you know, like a wiggle wart style crankbait. It's really tough to beat something that gets down there in that, you know, 8 to 12 foot range. I like to crank. I like to cover water. That and a jerkbait. Those are my two. That's what I'm going to have on my deck if I'm fishing, uh, you know, more of the eastern Kentucky and Tennessee areas. If I'm fishing that uh, little bit dirtier, those little bit more rivery kind of lakes, uh, I'm going to roll with a square bill or, or shad wrap. Um, those are two, you know, and even a spinnerbait, you know, if you get a little wind and uh, they do start to slide up on that flatter stuff, a spinnerbait can be pretty killer. Those are the baits that I use to approach that pattern. If you do hit a cold front, I'll pick up a jig or a shaky head or something like that. 
you got to listen to the fish. If they're not they're not biting it, moving, you can't be stupid. So <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll pick up something, slow down. Yeah, we, we've talked about that before a few times here on Bass Edge Radio, where a guy will you know have success on Friday and uh, catch him on a white spinner bait, and then he goes out Saturday and throws a white spinner bait all day, and he comes back to his place. Man, I caught him good Friday on that white spinner bait. I threw that thing all day today, never had a bite. <laughs> like, well, yeah. you should, probably should have put it down yeah. after an hour, <laughs> right? <laughs> so exactly yeah. you got, you've got yeah, to listen to everything definitely got to do some adjustments hey real quick john last question before we get into our listener question segment you having one or two maybe new tactics that you feel like are on the rise or, or something that's coming down the pike that may, we don't know what the next whopper plopper is yet but um what do you feel like are some techniques that are really starting to take a good hold for anglers that some of the listeners might want to use stuff that you're starting to rely on that maybe you didn't throw much two years ago? Yeah, I mean, obviously the jerk bait's kind of taken over. If you watch, that's a really killer bait that a lot of people still have confidence in, uh, I guess because it doesn't make bottom contact. I don't know what the reason is. but uh, It's a lot of work. Fish, it's a straight-up fish-catching machine, and uh, it, it is a good bait. Another one, uh, I mean, it does get some talk, but a, a Ned Rig, man. That thing, if you just want to go, like, it catches big ones, too, but it can get tough, and it's a good it's a good winter bait. It's a good bait for right now if you're still fairly cold water. It's really good all year round. I mean, that is a bait that you can catch every fish that swims in the lake. It's kind of funny you bring that up, John, because just recently at the uh, Central Pro Elite that was down on Bull Shoals, and this ties right into your story, a college angler who's now fishing at that level, which there's some really, really salty guys that's in this, he took second place by setting out off of Bluffin in 40 feet of water throwing it on six pound test line over a multi-day tournament and had the patience in the wind and everything else and and it definitely paid off so that's awesome yeah, i throw it on six pound test too it's a fish catching machine people think you'll catch rats but because you do catch a lot of little ones on it because everything will bite it you'll catch crappie bluegill you catch everything on it but it, it catches big fish too so uh a good bait don't forget about the ned rig for sure i'm diving just a little bit more you know a lot of people know about obviously the little z-man trd now you're starting to see a lot of different stuff z-man's coming out with you know some larger baits you know some four or five inch lures you hear guys you know throwing different types of heads with different types of plastics to kind of have this ned rig presentation more or less do you generally stay with the smaller stuff or do you like to get into you know i don't know if you want to call it power ned rigging but some of those bigger type Ned Rig applications. I tend to keep it, man, pretty straightforward and simple with my Ned Rig. I, I do use the Z-Man, the TRD. I really like the 10-pound head. It's the perfect size. It's, I mean, I have some fifth and uh, some 15th, but I just mainly get the 10 head and the regular TRD. And then another one that uh, a company that I work with called Biwa uh, Fishing Performance, uh, they came out with a bait called the Potate. And it really gets bit too. It's a little bit wider, so it casts a little better, a little bit fatter, has a little bit faster fall. So if it's windier and I almost want to power fish it, I can use it. And uh, between the potato and the TRD, uh, that's about the only thing I put on it. Gotcha. 
All right, we're going to roll into our listener question segment. And actually, today's listener question segment is brought to us by PowerPole, PowerPole Shallow Water Anchors. If you don't got them, you don't know it, but you really, really need them. So make sure you get your PowerPoles. And uh, this question comes from Steve Wayne. Steve asks, for fishing lines, I like to use braid, mono, and fluorocarbon for different applications. Help me introduce copolymer lines to my arsenal. Where and when will a copolymer line excel? Shoot. That's a <laughs> I'm glad this is your that's question, John. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a tough one because uh, I'll be honest with you. I do not have one spool of copolymer in my boat. I may have some at, at home, but... Uh, I don't have any in my boat, and uh, I tell you what, I mean, the reason I don't use copolymer, I mean, some people might think otherwise. You know, Kurt, you guys might think otherwise, but I personally, I don't use it. I use braid fluoromana, fluorocarbon on probably 80% of everything I do, you know, from cranking to flipping to offshore to I mean, think, oh, I even use fluorocarbon probably 80% of the time in Florida. Um, right. But I do use braid, you know, when I'm punching or um, on, like, I'll use it on my spooks if I'm fishing some heavier cover. Um, I do like it on that. And uh, sometimes on a rattle trap, but even then, I usually like floral. And uh, mono I use pretty much only for my topwaters, you know, like a prop bait or a pop or something like that. If I'm fishing for spotted bass for some reason, if I'm fishing like schoolers, I do like monofilament on my spook then. But if I'm just like working it down a bank, I tend to like braid better. I'm right in line with you there, John. I mean, um, I, I don't use a whole lot of anything but fluorocarbon for, again, you know, probably 80, 85% of my applications. Um, same with mono, only like prop baits or, or poppers. Um, I'm even into the braided line on most of the walking baits and really just changing uh, the uh, type of rod that I'm using, you know, just going with a, a lighter rod or, or say lighter. What I mean by that is a, uh, a rod with more action. Yeah, softer rod. Thank you very much. So, so yeah, usually um, I'm even transitioning a lot more of my top waters that I can into the braided line than, of course, you know, frogs and flipping. So, um, yes, dang it, uh, Steve, this is a great question. Copolymer line. Aaron, what do you got? Let's round the table on this yeah, deal. Well, um, other than what you guys said, I don't even use it for backing. So I'm probably not even, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm with John. I don't even own a spool. I haven't used it for years. And I just think given the braid in the mono and the fluorocarbon those cover the basis so yeah john i thought you guys covered it well so maybe our best recommendation for steve is maybe just keep it simple stay with the braid the mono the fluoro covers pretty much everything there i assume there has to be something that people want to use a copolymer line for so if you're listening to the show you love copolymer line for a technique send us in a comment on our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and we'd love to hear some feedback from everybody because John and Aaron and I are not copolymer line aficionados quite frankly yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not drinking the Kool-Aid on that part but uh, yeah <laughs> kind of to take off of uh, what you said there Kurt uh, you know Steve certainly we appreciate you sending in that question and you know what one thing about it we keep it real here on Bass Edge 
edge and we're not going to tell you what you want to hear we're going to tell you what we think you need to hear and that is our opinion but one thing Steve that we do still need from you is your contact information and mailing address so that we can send out that gift card directly to you so reach out to us through our Facebook or other social media applications such as Twitter Instagram or certainly send us an email support at Bass Edge or click on that claim your prize there on BassEdge.com that's right and always as a reminder for all Bass Edge listeners keep firing those questions to us at our email support at BassEdge.com or leave us those comments and messages through Facebook Twitter and Instagram we appreciate all your feedback and just love having every listener be a part of the show yeah John and uh, just want to say thanks for hanging out with us today again congratulations on your quick start in the 2018 FLW Tour anything you want to pass along final thoughts perhaps to some of our Bass Edge listeners yeah absolutely thanks guys for having me on you know if you guys want to keep up with me this year I try to keep everybody updated on all my social media I'm Jay Hunter Fishing on Instagram and on Facebook it's uh, John Hunter Fishing and I'll also be posting a lot of my catches I'm big into hunting pretty much all of my outdoors life on a new outdoor social media app called Go Wild I post a lot of my extreme details on there. So uh, check the app out. Look me up. I'll be on there all, all year. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Awesome. Enjoyed That's it. Good stuff. Looking forward to seeing you guys next week at Lanier. Yeah, you bet. Well, we're not going to let you run off just yet. We've got a little segment, four last questions for you. And um, okay. if you get all of these answers correct, which there's no wrong answer, but um, I win a coupon to Texas Roadhouse. How about that? Deal. <laughs> all right so here we go four last questions for you ribeye or sirloin ribeye current or no current current you'll retire at what lake uh rayburn and put you on the spot this last one your favorite tour bass or flw well had some good luck here starting with FLW, so I'm going to go with FLW. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's awesome, John, man. It's been great having you be part of the show. Bass Edge Radio will return right after these messages. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Just when you think, you know, we've covered it all, we've heard everything we could possibly hear, our guests on the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, John Hunter, knocks it out of the park. I've got to say, his story was really, really neat. Trading a motorcycle on Craigslist for a bass boat. 
Yeah, dude. I, I feel like, you know, I, I've been around the block a few times. And, I mean, I've been doing this full time for 10 years. Know a lot of people, a lot of people in the industry, know a lot of the anglers from the best of the best that maybe have ever fished of all time. Not not maybe, that have fished of all time. Denny Brower moved to my backyard and we became good friends. You know, I've, I've fished and competed against, you know, Van Dam, Hackney and, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. The list goes on. Larry Nixon. Just all these guys. You know, and I, and I even get thrown back sometime. You know, Larry Nixon will post a comment on my Facebook page. And I'm like, oh, dude, check that out. Larry, Harold, Harold Allen will call me and, and, and say something. Then, you know, you go through this time. And I mean, literally, I meet John Hunter. I've followed him. I know his name because he's been fishing the tour for several years. And then I, I'm actually able to get to spend some time with him because he's in 10th place at the Harris Chain on the final day. I'm in ninth place. And, and we just start, we just start chatting and we just start chatting about life. And I'm like, I got to get this guy on the show. He, he's super cool. And then he crocks him, you know, he's he ends up in third place, almost wins the day gum tournament. And, um, it was just great. And then, you know, I feel like I've known the guy forever. We just had this great conversation, the three of us. And, and, um, man, there's just so many good people in the sport. Then you talk about the story. I think every bass fishing story is like a Tony Robbins seminar, dude. you know, <laughs> How do you make $5 million from five? Or, or it's because you feel like $5 million. You might not actually have five in the bank, but, you know, it's, it's just the process of people taking a desire and a will and a, and a passion and a dream and mixing it all up into a giant bowl and pouring it out and making something that tastes awesome with it. Dude, I just I, get I just get fired I, up, flabbergasted, and pumped. I couldn't tell. I almost feel like we need to have an altar call. That right there was the yeah. gospel according to I'm, Kurt. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, dude. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, there is nothing more to add from me on that because I could not agree with you more. A fantastic, I think, summary, Kurt. Accurate. Very much so, and I thought John did a great job. We are, though, out of time. As I know, all of us are probably chomping at the bits to uh, at least get out on the water. It's springtime. Let's go fishing. It is. Let's go fishing. We'll end on that note. Thanks for joining us, everybody, right here on Bass Edge Radio. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Be sure to tune in. Episode 276, March 15th. We will have another exciting show. So long, everybody. Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge, brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 